The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and happy pre-Labor Day weekend. Samantha Maxwell of CYAHR addresses today's hot buttons and concerns in the workplace. We thought that that was timely for Labor Day. Today's multi-generational workforce faces new challenges, particularly with the onslaught of digital communication and social media. This show covers compliance, reducing exposure, and appropriate behavior with relevant information for both employers and employees. So let me welcome you, Samantha. Good morning. How are you? And I might add that Samantha does have a radio background, and that's why she's going to have the best radio voice for, um, you know, a human resources professional, right? Thank you. That's very sweet. You already sound really great. (laughs) Well, thank you so much um, for having me. I appreciate it. No, I was very excited about having you on the show. We've done stuff together in the past, and I think that you always share compelling information. And um, I wanted to start off this show, Samantha. One of the things that I think both employers and employees have to be aware of is digital media in the workplace, digital communication in the workplace. I think that um, certainly people have become more aware of the do's and don'ts over the last five years, perhaps, but still a lot of companies have not included social media policies in their handbooks, which you could assist them in developing. And what goes wrong? I know that's a very broad question, and you could answer it more vertically if you'd like. Well, what I've seen you know, most recently are um, issues with instant messages. Uh, so you have a person who's sending an instant message to another person and then they include other people or um, they hit the reply all and they really should just be replying to um, maybe the one person that sent the message and then the reply all goes to everybody and it has you know, a comment maybe even about somebody else in the email thread um, where that will come back. Or I had a situation recently where an instant message was sent to, um, it was supposed to go to one person and it went to many people and it was, um, it had negative and disparaging comments that were actually um, not just racially but sort of religiously uh, comments about this other person and then that other person obviously saw the instant message and was offended. So um, people have to be understanding and sensitive. The other thing about uh, you know instant messages or, or even um, 
emails is people can't tell sarcasm in an email or a text message or uh, an IM. You know, so it's important to always sort of start off any of those kinds of messages with a, you know, hi, how are you, you know, or good day, or something that sort of starts it out without, because we're so used to just going right into the answer. But it can seem curt and, and you know, not friendly, and then people can get easily offended by the way a message will sound if it's not worded correctly. So I always recommend that, you know, you write it, and then you read it, and then you send it. And I do this myself uh, quite frequently. I'll go in and I'll just answer the question immediately. And then I go back and I say, okay, wait a minute. How does that not sound so sharp or harsh? You know, and then I'll go back in and say, hi, I hope you're having a good day. That's just to start it so that you're sort of setting the tone for what's to come, especially when you're dealing with things that can be of a sensitive nature. Sure. Well, I mean, should things of a sensitive nature be communicated through IM? I don't think so. Well, probably not through IM. And, and remembering the most important thing is that everything is discoverable. So anything you put in writing can and will be used against you. Um, I do recommend uh, for supervisors to use uh, electronic media as a way to record information uh, that they might need for, say, performance evaluations. So, for example, uh, you have an employee who who's late today. Um, I would go in and I would send myself, meaning sending to me, an email that says, okay, John was late again today. And then if John's late again in the next week, I'd send another one to myself. Or if John does something fantastic, I'll send an email to myself. Then when I get to the point where I'm doing John's evaluation, I'll have everything that I need in a file labeled, you know, maybe not John because I don't want that file to be seen, but it'll be labeled, you know, JM, say his name's John Moore or something. Um, then in that file, I'll have all of the information that I would need for the entire year, all in one place. I can access it at my fingertips. Do I say things that are disparaging or, you know, negative and horrible? No, I don't. I just, the facts, ma'am. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I do find that that's a very useful tool because, you know, people don't necessarily want to write people up. They don't want to have to discipline. They want people to just do their jobs and come in and, and be the great employee, but that's not always the case. And, you know, it's just as important to document the positives as it is to document the negatives. And this is a great way, at least what I've found, for a person to be able to document over a period of time all the pros, all the cons, and have that at their fingertips to use when they're sitting down to do the evaluation for that employee. They're not just thinking, oh, gosh, what's happened in the last three months? They can really see what happened in the last year. Well, no, I think that that's a good system. One of the things that larger companies do, which I kind of miss as an entrepreneur, believe it or not, is, you know, having the annual review process where documentation is mandatory um and you know personally i think that there would be a lot less you know problems or a lot more um intervention before the problem really surfaces if companies small medium and large were to implement an annual review process and maybe i'm really old fashioned that way but i've seen it 
you know, I've seen how human resources and um, evaluations and raise negotiations and whether or not somebody knows that they their jobs might be in trouble, you know, come as a surprise, and that never is good. <laughs> I absolutely know? agree with you. I don't think anybody should ever be sitting in a meeting where they're getting their final check and have no idea why they're there. One of the reasons why I say to the supervisors, you know, if, if somebody has a chronic attendance problem or a chronic tardiness problem, is that if you do send yourself the email when you notice these things occurring, you can sit down every three months or so and look and say, oh, wow, you know, this person's been out, you know, six days or has missed, you know, has been late six days in the last three months. Then you can sit down with that person and you either, you know, have a verbal warning, hey, you know, we've noticed your attendance really gone down. We really need you to correct this. And then if it continues, then you move to a written warning. You know, look, this is continuing. We already had this conversation on such and such a date. And then if it continues, then you get to a final warning. Um, you know, people say to me, gosh, it must be hard for you to, to terminate people all the time. And my standard response is, I don't fire anybody. They do it all on their own. Right. I, I think that's really true. And that's why, you know, feedback is probably, you know, one of the traditional business um, tools, you know, that really are still relevant today, even in this digital work environment. Perhaps you don't do, you, you don't give people information on an IM, <laughs> particularly yeah. if it's unknown that whole group is a part of the thread. <laughs> but, um, you know, communication between employer and employee or supervisor and subordinate is just so important. I agree. And I think the one thing that most people focus on, unfortunately, is the negative communication. And I try to um, encourage supervisors that I work with for my clients to don't just document the negative. It's important that, you know, if somebody does something that's really over and above or they get a compliment from a from a customer um, or a client, that you acknowledge that. And and I give them little bits, little tidbits of tools to use to acknowledge the positives. For example, you know, there's the five coin in the pocket theory. So, you know, you have five coins in your pocket on Monday on the in the left pocket. And by Friday, you're going to make sure that you transfer every time you compliment somebody on something they've done well, you put one of the coins in the right pocket. So by the end of the week, the goal would be to have complimented at least five team members on something that they've done well so that you're putting that out. Um, one of the other things that I think people really like is if you get an email or a voicemail, which is even better. And we've gotten so far away from picking up the phone and calling someone. It's just everything's through, you know, technology. But uh, even as a person who's, you know, just recently... Um, fully gone out on my own because, you know, I've been building CYA for, um, and, and that stands for uh, cover your assets, and that's because I believe that your business is an asset, but the people that drive it are as well, and um, I started CYA in 2004, I incorporated in 2006, but up until that point, I was working as the director of human resources for a company with um, 400 people in three states, and um, I find that it would be, it was so nice when I would get a call and someone would leave a message and say, 
I just wanted to thank you so much for handling this situation. Or um, I get a call from the boss that said, you know, you did a really good job on this. I'd play that message over and over and over because I worked for that company 13 years and never once had a performance evaluation. And I agree. It's really nice to get some positive feedback from time to time. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I always was under the mindset that everybody, you know, people might have their, you know, challenges. We're human. But everybody has everybody has something great to contribute. And I think that if a team leader, supervisor, boss really knows how to look for the positives that an employee has to contribute, it's going to be a better workforce. I mean, you know, you can't just look at um, an employee as a number because then you're not developing, you know, your business to its maximum potential. I agree, and I also say to my clients all the time, happy people don't sue you. You know, I, I've, I've never been in a situation where I've seen somebody file uh, any kind of litigious claim against the client, and they were happy, they felt engaged, they, you know, they liked working for the employer, the employer treated them with respect. I mean, these are all just so common, basic, you know, needs of a person and yet, you know, I think it gets sort of brushed aside a lot that, you know, just little things like that, just a little praise here and there, a little thank you for a job well done, goes so far. And it goes actually, from what statistics show, farther than monetary compensation. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I really, really do. And my concern is, is that in today's workforce, and I could be wrong, you are the expert. I am just an observer, okay? It's mm-hmm. just that the, the passion in finding, you know, in, in coaching an employee or investing in an employee, oh no, it just doesn't seem the same as it used to be. Now, I, I will say that is because I may have moved from a corporate environment to, you know, an observer in an entrepreneurial environment, but it just doesn't seem perhaps because it's a world of virtual assistance, okay, right. where everything is outsourced, or I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of services are outsourced, and you lose that personal touch, don't you? I think you do, and I think we have a very interesting time in our workforce. I mean, for one, this is the first time that there have been four generations um, in the workforce all at the same time. You know, you oh, I think seven- that you are you are so right. That is such a good point. As a matter of fact, um, I want to save the multi generational workforce segment after this commercial break because it goes into a whole other spectrum (laughs) (laughs) which um, answers my question in a very um, relevant you know pertinent way so let's take a commercial samantha we will be right back with samantha maxwell of c-y-a-h-r Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. Here, we're back with Samantha Maxwell, and we are talking about hot issues in today's workplace. Um, Samantha, you mentioned multi-generational um, workforces with about four generations in the workplace. Can you expand? Yeah, so we have um, what they call the silent generation, and, and, and that's sort of the, you know, 1929 to, you know, early, you know, 40s. Some of them are still, you know, in the workforce. And, uh, you know, then you've got the baby boomers, like 1946 to around 64. You've got 80 million baby boomers who are going to be exiting the workplace in the next decade uh, at a rate of 8,000 a day or 300 per hour. And um, the next generation that you have would be the Gen X, which is mine. There's only 51 million. Um, those are people born between 1960 and 1980. And then the Nexters or the Millennials, uh, the Nintendo generation, Gen Y, I mean, they've got a bunch of different names. There's 75 million. So you've got more... Uh, baby boomers and more nexters. And these are, the, the nexters are the ones that are, um, born between 76 and 1994. Some say it sort of starts around 93. It's kind of all up in the place of when it really starts. But they're the ones that are sort of coming into the work environment now. And when you've got four generations like this, there's a very different, um, mindset amongst them on how they want communication. You know, obviously, the Nexters have never not known what it's like to have technology. You know, they they have what I call helicopter parents, what a lot of people call helicopter parents. Um, and I'll give you a prime example of a helicopter parent. I had to write somebody up recently, and the parent called me and confronted me about writing their child up, who wow. was in their 20s. And said, "I want that removed from their file." Are you and I kidding said, me? Really? I'm so not it was kidding a- you. And I said, "Well, um, I'm sorry, but your child, you know, your this employee works for me, and I have every right to write them up. And you're not calling your school to argue with the teacher." I, that's the first time I've heard that because a bi- I don't think a 
That is so interesting because I don't think that a baby boomer parent would do that because there's just Never. So that's a, different that's values that baby boomers yeah. have in terms of work being sacred and, you know, I can't get involved in work. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I, I, I can't even imagine a parent would think it's okay to call. I mean, I've even had situations where I've said to a, a nexter, you know, oh, I just want to let you know, you know, you were late again today. And I've had literally them turn and say, well, what's it to you? Well, what's it to me is that I'm the human resources director and I have every right to, <laughs> you know, let you know that you were late today. I'm not your parent. Course. I mean, so that is very, a very interesting phenomenon. It's almost like, you know, the star mom. I, I mean, I, it's just, I don't well, know. It, it's a lot like what you see on some of the reality programming. Yeah. Just, you know, their child is perfect. They can't do anything wrong. You know, they're constantly, um, you know, telling their child that they're the most positive and they're the best and they're the smartest. And the problem is, is they get into this real world situation and they're not the smartest and the most beautiful and um you know they demand these salaries I'll walk in and you know say well I'd like to start out at 80,000 and I think yes so would have I at your age you know <laughs> yeah okay so that's very very interesting in this nexter you know sort of the um you know the I mean they're part of the millennials but this is a dynamic that's that's very very interesting because they have the Gen X Gen Y parents, right? That's true. And me being a person who's Gen X, I mean, obviously, if you think about it, you've got you know seventy five million and eighty million baby boomers. So you've got the more more prominent are the the boomers and the nexters, although the boomers are on their way out. But Gen X, which would be what I consider my generation. Um, you know, we were the first generation of latchkey kids. So the way that this, my generation wants to be managed is very, very different. You know, we're, we're very, um, you know, independent. You know, we don't need that face time. We just want to be able to work on our own and get our stuff done. And, you know, cause we were the latchkey kids and, you know, we just had to take care of ourselves and so we don't need the same kind of props as you would see from what's going on, um, you know, we don't need all the feedback and, you know, we're comfortable in the multicultural settings. Um, you know, our parents had more job insecurity, I think. Uh, maybe now some of the millennials are starting to feel that a little bit just because the last few years have been so tough. Um, but, you know, we we have a career lattice that we understand, you know, that, um, it's not always, you know, climbing a ladder. You know, sometimes it's a lateral thing. And so we don't, the Gen X doesn't really like, you know, authority and a rigid environment. And we want things to be a little more hands-off. And um, we want people to encourage creativity. Uh, but then you go into the Gen Y and they're, you know, smart and creative and optimistic and tech-savvy and, you know, that's been a part of their whole, you know, professional development. Um, they need a lot more structure. They're very team-oriented. They need face time. They want feedback. They want praise. Uh, they need that to feel motivated. And so it's going to be very important for people, certainly in uh, any kind of supervisory capacity, to really understand the differences generationally 
in how employees are motivated and how they'll thrive. No, no, and I think that's where it's a, you know, a good idea to contact somebody like you, Samantha. And I just want to give a shout out to your website, www.cyahr.com, and take a look at the multitude of services that Samantha's company provides. It's, um, you know, I see all too often in the world of, you know, communications and crisis management, um, something gone wrong in the workplace. And part of, you know, crisis preparation is really having the right kind of, you know, guidance in a workplace from somebody like you. And so much can be prevented in terms of angry lawsuits and, you know, I, you know, horrible acts in the workplace. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get you know, too dramatic, but, you know, last week on the news, it was an angry employee that felt that they had to go out and shoot somebody in front of the Empire State Building, right? Well, and on top of it, the person was the office manager who actually laid that person off um, or let him go, or I I don't know if it was layoff or termination, but I know that he'd been out of work for quite some time. I believe he was in the fashion industry, and he killed the person that actually, you know, pulled the trigger, and as a person who's had to pull that trigger many, many times, I mean, I, I would say well over 500, maybe even in thousands in my career, you know, because I've been doing this for 20 years, and, and not only did I work for a full-time company doing human resources for the last 13 years uh, until February of this year when I was fortunate enough to go out on my own full-time with CYA, uh, but companies hire me to come in and, quote-unquote, be the terminator, and you know, employees will say to me, oh, the CYA car is here because my license plate says CYAHR. And they look at it like, see ya. And ah. it kind of hit me and I thought, wow, they see it as the see ya car, meaning someone's going to get fired today. And that was very, it was a very, like, stop moment where I went, wow. <laughs> you know, because uh, they're so used to when I come on site, uh-oh, someone's in trouble. And so I do try to make an effort if I have a situation where I've let people go or I've done the layoffs, that I then go back, you know, within a short period of time and try and do something a little bit more constructive and positive so that people don't just see me as that person who's coming in to pull the trigger. Um, but quite frequently I have to do that because people don't like to fire people, for one, and not that I do either. Uh, generally, I again, I'll say that I don't believe that I fire people. I believe they fire themselves. If they're doing their job and they're doing well, uh, they're not going to get fired. Uh, but layoffs are a whole different story. That's usually a business necessity. Uh, but the, the owners of the businesses really do have a hard time and struggle with getting rid of people, even though they know there's issues and problems. It's just too much to deal with, or I'll deal with it later. And sometimes they put it off too long, and that creates bigger problems for them because they're just not managing the issue at hand. And um, so they'll bring me in because, for me, it's not personal. I don't work with this person every day. I don't uh, know about their family or their children or whatnot. And so it makes it a little bit easier to have a outside person to come in and just take care of the situation for them and do it in the way that's properly communicated to, you know, avoid uh, litigation if you can. I mean, anybody can sue for anything at any time, and that doesn't mean that they're going to be right um, and they're going to win some case or whatnot, but 
everybody can go out and file a complaint with the D, I mean, with the uh, EEOC or DFEH, um, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission or the Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Uh, that doesn't mean that it's always going to go through and become a bigger claim, but it still means that they have the right to do so, and it still can be costly for a company, even if they haven't done anything wrong. Well, better to bring you in for, you know, sessions to, you know, make make the employees and the employer more aware of policies, you know, a little an ounce of prevention means a pound of cure, right? So that way you oh, wouldn't always absolutely. have to be... You know, you don't always have to be seen as the SIA girl. I mean, you know, you could be coming in to do, um, you know, seminars or sessions that are really positive and constructive as well. And that's really like how, that's really how I like to start out with an employer. When they call me, a lot of the time they already have an issue. They don't always communicate that they have an issue. It doesn't take me very long when I come in to figure out that there's a problem with someone very quickly. The first thing I want to do is get them in line with uh, an employee handbook, a uh, new hire package with all the required documents. Uh, I do an orientation. I cover harassment. Uh, I do harassment prevention trainings. Get them in line as quickly as I possibly can. No, and I think Usually that's always that a good process. idea. I'm sorry? I said I think that's always a good idea, and I'm sorry that I had to cut you off, but we have to go to another commercial break, Samantha, and I want to talk a little bit more step-by-step about the um, the comprehensive employee handbook and what that includes, if that's okay. okay, if you could stay with us after the next commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of PR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back and we're talking about hot issues in today's workplace with Samantha Maxwell of CYAHR. And in the last segment, we were talking about prevention and um, we were talking about preparation and we were talking about the um, Royal Employee Handbook, not 
really. It's just coveted. Um, you know, when we grew up in, uh, you know, in the workplace as baby boomers, particularly in working for larger corporations, the employee handbook was just a part of the workplace. It was just what you had and what you did. And an employee had to read this handbook, and there was usually a letter that came with that handbook. And um, the employee had to sign off on that letter, um, you know, saying that they read and understood everything that was in that employee handbook. How much of that is done today? I think it really depends on the size of the employer. I think what happens a lot is employers say, well, we don't want to put it in writing because, you know, then we're going to be held to it. And, you know, the flip side is that employees actually do want rules of the road. And it really can help with morale and communication that, you know, here is what the company stands for. You know, it has a mission statement or some kind of, you know, roadmap. Um, you have all the right, you know, the policies, things that are mandatory, like, you know, your at-will, your right to revise, equal employment, um, Americans with disabilities, uh, unlawful harassment, arbitration, um, Immigration Reform and Control Act, uh, those kinds of things, those are all mandatory. And then you get into things that are more like policies and practices, you know, what kind of employee are you? Are you exempt or are you non-exempt? Um, most people use the terms hourly and salary, but um, there's classifications that are required. And, you know, I've been through situations recently where the Department of Labor is getting very strict about coming into employees, employers and saying, well, how are you classifying this person as an exempt? That would mean exempt from overtime. And they'll say, well, because I say they are. Well, that's not how it works. I mean, the the federal government has rules, and and California being the strictest state in the country with regards to employment law, they have their own set of rules. Um, I had an employer recently who didn't realize that anybody working over eight hours in a day is an hourly, anything over eight hours is overtime. They thought it was still anything over 40 hours in a week. And unfortunately, they had to go back and retroactively pay. And the problem is, is if you're classifying people as exempt and you're not paying them overtime and there's no timesheets and there's no clocking in and out, then people can make up whatever they want. And so it's important to make sure that if you're going to classify somebody who is exempt from overtime, that they fall under one of the Department of Labor um, definitions of what an exempt employee is, and those are, you know, an administrative exemption, uh, and there's all those all these rules. You know, they have to supervise the actions of two or more people. You know, they have to make decisions that are, um, you know, bottom line of the business kind of decisions. You know, there's an executive exemption for like CEOs and people, director of HR type people. There's a professional exemption that would be, you know, your doctors, your lawyers, anybody who has a, a, a degree, and then there's your computer professional exemption. So if you can't classify your employees under one of those exemption rules, then they're hourly, and that needs to be documented so that you can protect yourself. And it really only takes one person who gets disgruntled to pick up the phone and make a call, or, you know, even now you can go online and file a complaint against your employer uh, and and so employers really need to be careful about classifying their employers correctly, putting policies in place. And again, I'll bring it back. 
it really does help with morale and whatnot. And then the other thing is it helps the employer because if the employer can say, look, I've got a policy on this and I'm going to handle Jenny the same as John, it's going to help them in the bottom you know, line of things because if they don't treat each person the same, you're going to potentially have discrimination issues and, well, you know, you treat men this way and you treat women this way and, you know, if you've got a roadmap like an employee handbook, then you just go to your handbook and look at the policy and say, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to treat everybody. We have a roadmap and you stick to it. Yeah, no, I think they're the biggest mistake that I see in rapid growing businesses, um, you know, small businesses, tiny businesses that are growing really fast is that they don't bring in somebody like you to explain why this roadmap is important. And then all of a sudden you see a lawsuit because, you know, um, a smartphone message was sent from an employer to an employee uh, during the weekend. And because the employee was hourly, you know, that employee thought that they should rightfully get paid for that weekend time. And it blew up into, you know, a, a huge misunderstanding with financial liabilities for the employer. Another thing that's um, coming up a lot recently, and I've, got, I've started adding a policy to all of my handbooks that I do now, um, is salaried or uh, exempt employees who are working while they're on vacation. Because we have access to our cell phones and uh, our smartphones and our tablets and our laptops and we go on vacation and we decide, oh, I'm going to open my email and just check it and then say they see an email from the from the boss that says, oh, please contact so-and-so about this. And even though it doesn't say do it right now, you know, but it doesn't say do it when you get back, they go and then they start working and, you know, four months later something happens and that employee gets let go and they turn around and say, well, I worked while I was on vacation. And so then the employer, because vacation time is considered wages in um, California, the employer would then be liable to have paid those wages upon termination. So if an employee who's exempt works even for two hours, as you may know, exempt employees, they can come in and work 10 minutes and you still have to pay them for the full day. So it's important that if you have employees that are exempt and they go on vacation that you specifically say to them, Please send an away message. We're not asking you to work. You know, if you check your email, it's on your own. We're not asking you to unless they do, meaning if I really need somebody to handle something and I call them or I email them and say, this needs to be taken care of today, please make sure that you don't uh, put this down as a vacation day. We'll compensate you for it. It's just right. easier to do that than to take the risk of having this person eventually become disgruntled and go to you for that time. And in California, if wages aren't paid upon termination, even if it's something along these lines, um, you have to basically pay for every single day that they didn't get those wages. And a lot of times, employees are a lot smarter than they used to be, and thanks to the Internet, they can go and look this up, you know, this up. And if they wait the full 30 days and then file... For every day that they weren't paid, they have to be paid for the whole day. And some of them are savvy enough to actually do that. Very, very I mean, important information. And this is why it's so important for you to get in front of those growing businesses, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, in fact, I had a situation recently where a person was let go, and they had point two seven minutes of vacation time, and the person who cut the final check didn't look to see if they had any vacation time. They waited the full 30 days. They filed uh, with the Department of Labor, and they had to be paid for every single I think it was like $3,000 for what would have been, you know, twelve fifty. $12.50. Well, you know what? I mean, again, you know, it's definitely crisis intervention. If you come in, these situations can be avoided, and it's better to bring somebody in that understands all of these regulatory issues, particularly in the state of California. I want to just remind everybody, since this is sort of a, you know, a national audience, sometimes global, that, you know, everything there, everything varies greatly in um, labor regulation and employment law from state to state. And the state of California is particularly employee sensitive rather than, um, you know, rather than the other way. You go to other states like the state of Arizona and it's very um, employer friendly. So, I mean, if you're working in a job or an outpost in, um, you know, in you know, in Arizona, and then you come to a job in California, it's going to be completely different. Yes, and there's a lot of frustration in that, certainly for me. I mean, having worked my last company, we had employees in Pittsburgh, and we had employees in Las Vegas, and employees in California, and the, the rules of the road for each state are so different, and you really have to get versed in that state, and uh, as an HR professional, what I always sort of fell back on was, well, if I go with the rules that are the strictest, California, then I'm going to be safe wherever else I go, you know? Um, well, listen, but- we're going to take one more commercial break. You think you could stay on for another segment and talk about, um, you know, a little bit more about reducing exposure and um, appropriate behavior? Maybe we could talk about a little bit about professional dress code and things that the employee would be very interested in hearing? Absolutely. All right, well, then please stand by, and we'll have one last segment with Samantha Maxwell to talk about hot issues in today's workplace. Don't go away. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back and we're in our final segment with um, Samantha Maxwell and we are talking about hot issues in today's workplace. Um, Samantha, this is the end of the show, so I want to kind of touch upon the things that we may have not covered in the last three segments that you think you know, might be important, um, information. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little today, particularly with the multi-generational workplace, um, is fashion and how people should, you know, think about dressing for an interview and then dressing for work and how dress codes and company style might be established um, easily without insulting anybody. Right. You know, this is a big issue, and it really goes uh, by company to company, and I, I have written so many different versions of a dress code policy. I can't even begin to go there. Uh, you know, so many um, people don't realize how image is, you know, portrayed by how you dress and coming to work and, you know, the difference between, you know, the boomers and Gen X and Gen Y, the nexters, you know, the business casual is is the norm now. You know, basically, you know, slacks and a and a dress shirt for men and for women, you know, slacks and a nice shirt or a dress, skirts. But then you have the, you know, flip flop situation which I had to implement recently a flip flop policy at a company and it was the only thing, and when I was doing the orientation of the handbook, it was the only thing that everybody got up in arms about because I said no flip-flops at work. And one of the reasons being is I've seen a lot of injuries from from people with flip-flops. You know, they trip on stairs, they they drop something on their toe, break their toe or whatever. And um, And for some businesses, it's also sort of a health issue to have, you know, opened-toe shoes situations. So... Um, you know, that that's something that I usually try and kind of push. You know, obviously a lot of companies have a casual Friday, but casual Fridays turned in casual Monday through Friday. And I just say that it's important to sort of dress for the position that you want. You know, look at the people who are in the positions that you see yourself growing into if you're younger and say, you know, that's the, that's the person I want to emulate. I'm going to, you know, dress like that. I always think it's better to dress up a little bit more than dress down. You know, you're you're making a first impression. The interview, to me, is the best I'm ever going to see an employee. And if that's not a good impression, they're not going to get better. So that, to me, is one of the most important things you can do is go in there. You, you're, you've had a well-rested, um, you know, I hate to say it, but I've had people come into an interview, you know, drunk. And or completely hung over, and you can tell. <laughs> uh, not the best way to make a first impression. And, uh, you know, 
things along those lines are something that you, you need to think about. Be prepared, have questions that you want to ask. And um, the other thing is the, the really, really high, high, high heels. Um, you know, that's very popular these days. But, you know, I've had supervisors come to me and say, you know, this person looks like a streetwalker, you know, and that's not the impression you want to be making on your on your job interview or even, you know, your first day. And while I love these really great high heels and I think they're fabulous if you're going out on a date, maybe not the best, you know, way to make a first impression with a really high heel and a short, short skirt and a low-cut blouse. Um, you know, if you're going to do one, do one or the other, if you will. Uh, but I still think that even um, being cognizant of, the, of cleavage for women is really important. Uh, taking a look at your skirt length, it really shouldn't be more than a couple of inches above the knee. And, um, you know, while that seems very conservative, I think when you're dealing with the fact that there's multi-generations in the workforce, believe it or not, when I get complaints from other employees about how a person dresses, it's generally women and their older women who are offended by the way the younger women are dressed. And I was very surprised, but it's really come up a lot in the last few years where they say, you know, this person's dressed this way and they look this way or whatnot. Or I'll have one of the younger people come to me and say, um, you know, my boss just told me I look like a streetwalker. Well, you don't want to say that to an employee. <laughs> that may be what you're thinking, but you shouldn't say that out loud. There's a way to have that conversation without offending someone. Well, that's so, where you come in, and it's really important that people are aware. It may be true that they look like a streetwalker, but there's a way to approach that and say that the way that they're dressing does not, you know, is not part of the business code for that particular industry. Um, but even it, even better, it would be great if somebody like you were brought in to include that code in the handbook so that it's already documented. Right. And to do, you know, handbooks can be great for, if, it, if you have a well-written handbook, it really can help to uh, defend against employment litigation, um, you know, in any kind of wrongful termination ha- uh, lawsuit. A handbook can validate, you know, the conditions under which an employee is, you know, at will and, and the, um, the the issues that can be ra- raised, such as, you know, the harassment policies. Um, and so even if a small company, you know, they may think that they only have a few employees and they don't have any intention of growing, um, but if they're planning for the future, they need to realize as it grows, so is their need for a handbook. And it's a way of correcting past or existing problems is not what a handbook should be because it's a lot more awkward to try and go back and fix something that's already gone wrong. If you develop it as a way to anticipate future needs, you're going to be far more successful in just having created the roadmap that everybody's to follow. And that means that you have to follow it, though. You You can't have all these policies and then not be enforcing them equally amongst your staff. One other area I just wanted to cover quickly because I know we only have a few more minutes is that now we're going into a whole different world of human resources with the technology that's being developed to manage human resources. And I have been working with um, a couple of companies. Um, one of them is in a beta test right now for a human resources program that will 
manage from, you know, hire to uh, retire, if you will, uh, how a person comes in, they're onboarded, uh, everything's, you know, pre-populated as far as forms, you know, from the moment you fill out an application, if you get hired, all that information gets populated into your personnel file. Uh, it gets automatically sent to the payroll. It gets automatically sent to your time and attendance if they're hourly. And it's digitally changing the face of human resources. In fact, when I first saw one of the demos on this product, I said to myself, oh, this is the death of human resources people. I mean, I think you're always going to need a human being because, you know, somebody has to have the face-to-face and the conversations. But the next years are very comfortable with um, a back-and-forth electronically with HR. They don't necessarily need the FaceTime. They want the the feedback, but they're happy to just see a little picture of me, <laughs> like a Facebook, if you will, back-and-forth communication rather than sitting in front of the human resources person in their office. So that's going to change, I think, how human resources is managed. And I see it's coming very, very quickly, and there's lots of companies in the field right now that are competing with one another and gobbling up one another to try and, you know, uh, monopolize the market in this area. And so that's kind of an exciting new direction that I'm actively pursuing to be a part of. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, it's it's amazing how much software is out there for, you know, the employer to screen an employee, you know, before. I mean, the employee might come in for a person-to-person interview, but what has to go on online, you know, beforehand is just amazing without sourcing people even to, you know, do the screen interviews. Well, yes, that's true. There's the screen interviews, you know, you interview someone over the phone, if they're not, you know, able to have a, a proper conversation, then that can rule them out immediately. There's so many people work uh, looking for work right now, so I'll run an ad and I'll get 500 resumes. Sometimes they're so overqualified, sometimes they're way underqualified. But then there's the background check, and this is another thing that's really important for employers to understand. There are very stringent rules about background checks, and there's documents that have to be completed in order to do the background check. And so those those employers who are doing background checks need to understand that they have to get the permission of the person prior to doing the check and make that part of the employee file. Um, then there's the reference checking. Then there's the going on, you know, Facebook and seeing if you can find any, you know, pictures. And, I mean, a lot of employers are really doing these very stringent checks. So employees need to understand anything you can and say on Facebook or in any other social media can be discovered, and you should, you know, be very careful about, you know, posting that picture of yourself passed out next to the toilet, you know? Yeah, um, no, well, really, really important. Well, listen, we have to wrap up. Samantha, tell me, did this hour go incredibly fast for you? It did. I hope it went fast for you as well. Oh, it was loaded with information. I, you know, I love speaking with you. I think that this is just a very, very important area for you know, the world to constantly reference and when they're Googling, you know, interviewing for a job or workplace policy or, you know, um, understanding, you know, um, digital hours. And it's just so relevant that I, you know, I appreciate your time and um, thought that this show was just chock full of Great information. So, again, I thank you for getting up early 
putting aside the time and having the added value and bonus of a fantastic radio voice. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on, and I always enjoy our conversations. So, again, thank you so much for allowing me to share some information with you and your listeners today. Okay, well, thanks very much. Once again, Samantha Maxwell, C-Y-A-H-R, www.cyahr.com. Check her out and make sure you go back to the beginning of the show if you missed anything that she had to say. Have a great Labor Day, and I will see you next week with the assistant editor from Technorati, so publicists tune in. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 